How can you create a life that you're excited about? Welcome, folks, to episode 49 of the Becoming Human podcast. And this week, I'm excited. I sit down with Andrew Klein. He's a leadership consultant and a former expedition guide. He would take people on adventures from sea kayaking to spelunking in caves, mountaineering, and across glaciers. In this episode of the podcast, Andrew talks about his harrowing experience trying to cross the ice field to Patagonia. Growing up, people would tell me that money is not the answer. They would complain about long shifts and unfulfilling lives. With this constant air of regret around me, from working in the minting industry, hospital industry, the restaurant industry, and even within my own social life, I wondered what really is worth living for. And it's people like Andrew that remind me that my favorite thing in life is to be excited. After a lot of consideration, talking with people who I admire, I've come to the determination that I just want to fill my life with the most exciting moments that I can find. It's a lot better than happiness. Because if you chase happiness, you can atrophy. Running a 100-mile race It might not be the most happy thing overall, but it is exciting. And chasing that excitement will give you highs and lows that are unparalleled. But if I was chasing happiness, I think I would just do the things that are most pleasurable and avoid the things that cause me the most amount of discomfort. But with that discomfort, I learn. And from sitting down with Andrew, it is evident that his adventures in the wilderness, taking these groups through perilous adventures, has given him a lot of insight into his own self in effective leadership principle. I know you guys will enjoy this episode as I continue my exploration of the outdoors. Mm. summer's coming up I want to get into the mountains I want to wander this year I'm spending a lot of my time traveling and I'm excited Ooh. if you'd like you can go check out uh, Andrew's consulting services at kleinconsultingllc.com I'll leave the link in the show notes and I'm going to play you in with someone special today. <laughs> Enjoy. All my plants have gone to seed. Some I planted on my own. Some have never needed me. Farther than the eye can see Flown like arrows from my bow 
Falling where I never know Golden limbs may spring from the heaven I may never see them again All my friends have gone to sea Some are fishing, some are float Some are wishing they were home My old friends are rolling free Some I miss and some I don't I hope no one's missing me Golden songs may be sung In fine weather I may never see them again So I was really into the outdoors ever since I was a little kid. <clears throat> and when I was in undergraduate school, uh, I got involved with the National Outdoor Leadership School, which is a nonprofit outdoor leadership school that teaches wilderness skills. They're based in Wyoming. They have branches all over the world, but their headquarters are in Wyoming. And long story short, I got involved with them. I thought I would... Uh, guide basically they don't call them guides but i thought i would guide with them for the summer months while i was going to undergraduate school and then that would be that and then i'd go on to graduate school and that would be the end of the story but but that lifestyle of leading those expeditions is really really seductive um <clears throat> the community is amazing the people that you're working with the people that you work with that you're guiding uh, the places that you get to go to in the world, the autonomy of being out in the wilderness with nobody, you know, you're, you're the one making 
I mean, I don't want to sound uh, like it's hyperbole, but making real life and death decisions about what's going on out there with the people that you're in charge of and your instructor team. So that kind of autonomy and control and being out in the wilderness and being focused on just what's in front of you and how you're going to get through the day. I mean, that there's just nothing better. And it, it establishes a sense of meaning with your failure oh, and your man. success. Because your failure, like you said, could end someone's it life. It could be really, really tragic. Yeah. You know, but the flip side of, you know, and the flip side of that is the most important thing is, you know, can you get the stove going in the morning and get your <laughs> coffee going and have your hash browns and figure out how you're going to get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, learn learn the wilderness skills that you're out there to learn and learn how to interact with the people that you're out there with. I mean, it's just super, it's so in the moment that it's, it's a, it's just a great way to live. So once I, once I got a taste of that, it was really hard to pull out of. So one thing led to another and then I just ended up working for the acronym for National Outdoor Leadership Schools, Knowles. I ended up working for Knowles, uh, yeah, basically for over 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And, um, did you, when you were doing that, was it kind of a learn on the fly? A lot of it was, yes, a lot of it was learn on the fly. Uh, you have to go through a relatively rigorous vetting process to become a, an instructor for them. And then once you're an instructor, they have opportunities for you to learn other wilderness skills and then eventually teach those wilderness skills on expeditions. Mm-hmm. So I originally entered the door as a mountaineering instructor because I knew how to mountaineer. But then once I went through the gate, I, I mean, I ended up working for Knowles. I ended up sea kayaking, caving, uh, you know, horse packing, all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, so, so yeah, you, you learn as you go. Yeah. That's so cool. Caving? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did multi, you know, yeah, 500-mile kayaking expeditions. and What? Yeah, all sorts of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, it was like- phenomenal. It was, it was such a great life, you know, and you're just with the greatest people and you meet the greatest people. And I mean, there's always a little, there's always trade-offs, right? Mm-hmm. But overall, it's just a great, great life. Yeah. And that was, that was something at that point, were you doing it year round? Yes, I was. Okay. I was doing it year round. Cause you could, you know, you could, yeah, year round. Cause they have branches all over the world. So you could be in Alaska and then you'd fly to Mexico or you could be in South America and then you'd go to Utah or, you know, whatever. So you could, depending on what, and, and they do winter expeditions as well. So, I mean, you could just do it year round. So I did it, I did it year round and then I ended up getting involved in the administration. So I helped run the, uh, branch down in South, uh, South America. So by the time I finished, I was not only doing expeditions, but I was doing a lot of uh, administrative office oh, I see. work as well. Mm-hmm. And did that administrative office work, did you <clears throat> enjoy that as much? Yes. Or you did? Well, yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, one, just because it's, uh, new, it's a whole new skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows you to not always be in the wilderness, which, you know, is great, but sometimes you need a breather, mm-hmm. right? Um, it might allow you to be in a little bit more of a relationship with somebody, a romantic relationship with somebody, uh, more stability, different skill sets. So yeah, I, it was time for me. You know, as I as I kept doing it, and eventually you get to the point where, well, not everybody gets to this point, but most people get to the point where you, 
you're like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. You know, it's time <laughs> for me to do something else, you know. So that's how I kind of graduated to the administrative side of things. Okay. And then eventually I hit that plateau again where it's like, okay, I'm kind of starting to spin my wheels. I think I've learned everything I can learn mm -hmm. in this. And maybe it's time for me to do something else. So that's when I moved into what I do now. Wow. And um, have you always had a... Uh focus on learning like that or is that something that's just kind of developed over time you know I think I have yeah I really I like to learn I like I like to be a, a learner yeah I mean that's what makes life exciting and fun and literally is challenging and life yeah it's, absolutely yeah yeah and um, do you have like what's the most memorable expedition that you went on Oh boy, that, I mean, we could be here all night. Oh, really? I have so many memorable expeditions. There's a couple that um, always rise to the top. Uh, probably the most memorable one is, <clears throat> there are two uh, ice caps in Patagonia, in Southern Chile. Uh, they're called the Northern Patagonia Ice Field and the Southern Patagonia Ice Field. And when I was down there, this was, you know, a long time ago. This was in the 90s, 1990s. Um, very rarely, if ever, had those ice caps ever been crossed from, one, from you know, west to east or north to south. So, and, and at that point in time in the 90s, Patagonia was really, really an empty place. And so I ran an expedition that was um, supposed to be a little over 30 days. And it was, uh, we got dropped off on the west side, so the Pacific side of the, of the northern Patagonia ice field. And the goal was to cross over the ice field and then down into the valley and then get picked up on the other side. Well, long story short, uh, the, we just had incredible weather on that uh, expedition. From the day we got dropped off on the boat, in the, literally in the ocean, it was just pouring down rain and snow and sleet and hail. And we ended up getting halfway across the ice field. It was 11 guys, they were all guys, and uh, three of us as instructors. Um, we got acro halfway across the ice field and then we got hit. I mean, again, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, dramatic, but we, we, we got hit by what could only be described as a storm of the century. I mean, this storm came in and it just, just literally knocked us down. So we ended up, um, because of the wind, you know, 100 mile an hour winds and, and 15, 16 high foot snow drifts. And I mean, you know, below zero temperatures and, you know, wide out and, and it just did not stop. So we ended up um, uh, abandoning our tents and surviving in snow caves. And that expedition and, and, and the snow caves, I mean, long story, we had to build snow cave after snow cave to kind of keep up with the snow and all of this. It was, it was a, an incredible experience. We we're running out of food, running out of fuel. The whole thing ended up being like 45 days um, before we were able to get out of there. Um, we were trapped in these snow caves for like two weeks. Everybody's getting what used to be called trench foot. It's now called immersion foot, you know, so we're getting immersion foot. We're running out of food. We're freezing, you know, the whole nine yards. It was a real, it was a real survival story. And, um, and we all survived, but we, 
we were both fortunate and smart and we got it done and we survived. But, you know, the, the people on the ground outside of the ice cap, you know, uh, the, the people that live in that part of the world, when they found out that we were up there, I mean, the, the, the party line was just, there's no way those people survived up there. There's no way. And, and, you know, there was no way for anybody to try and rescue us, one, because it's so remote, and two, the weather wouldn't have allowed for it. So it was just a real life-changing experience. I'm still best friends with uh, quite a few of the people that were on that expedition. That was back in, I think, 1996. Um, we actually just had a reunion, uh, not with the whole group, but with probably half the group. Uh, last year, uh, we went up into the North Cascades and went camping for three or four days and just kind of caught up on each other's lives and no that kind storms. of stuff. No snowstorms. <laughs> Our next goal is to climb Mount Shuxon together, maybe this fall, fall of 2018. Ooh, that would um, be cool. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's, that's, that one rises to the top just because it's so dramatic. Yeah. But, you know, I had, a lot, I had a lot of really dramatic expeditions, actually. So, <laughs> I, must... I mean, in a period of 20, 25 years out in, you know, really remote, remote places you get you end up having a lot of stories oh, so i yeah. bet especially in extreme <laughs> areas like that yeah super isolated areas i imagine that well in that moment did you have any fear or was it just calm oh calm? man oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean i remember <clears throat> I, I remember uh it was in february and uh my mom's birthday is in February and uh, this was kind of towards the end of this whole ordeal but I remember writing a letter to my mom and I mean I, it really was you know I or I hope we get out of it you know I mean we're doing everything we can but if push comes to shove and this weather does not end and we run out of fuel and we run out of food and we can't go anywhere and we're just stuck you know this we could really really be you know we're already going on day 40 or 41 or whatever it is like we could really be in trouble so there were definite moments of of fear and and not only that you know the the 11 guys that we took on this expedition i mean it was a Knowles. some of these guys had never slept in a sleeping bag in their life before we went on this expedition literally and and so you know they went from you know never sleeping in a tent to literally, you know, being Ernest Shackleton, you know, on their, you know. So, so there were some pretty scary moments and, you know, everybody had to make it, make it work. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. And was that your first, um, um, what is it, most frightening experience being out in the, the wilderness or, yeah? Um, no, I've had... No, it wasn't. I mean, that was a really long... 40 days, that's... Yeah, hard. that was... It, you know, that's like... Uh, I guess, I, I guess the, way, the best way to answer that question is the most frightening experience are the, are the ones where you have something happen really fast mm. and it's an acute moment and, and it's a life or death moment and it comes and it goes. Like, those are the scariest moments. Like... You know, somebody falls off a rappel, or there's a rock fall, or uh, you know, you're doing a Tyrolean across a river, and you know, the, I'm just making this one up, but mm -hmm. the Tyrolean falls down, and they get swept. You know, those moments are the scariest. This expedition was kind of like a long, drawn out, slow, you know. That yeah. So 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 that's that's more anxiety producing, but it's not. 
frightening. Does that make any sense that what I'm does saying? That make sense, yes. Yeah. In the, yeah. Was there a point in that, uh, in those 40 days where, you, you, like what was the point where you guys started considering giving up or just this is it? We never, never. that never hit that. Never hit that. You know, I, you know, um, I've never been in a situation where I thought I would give up. Other than maybe that fourth match in Proving Grounds where I was like, okay, I think I'm done. Yeah. But, you know, um, you, you know, you don't, you, you know, I was responsible. I was the lead instructor on that expedition and I was responsible. I had a sense of responsibility for all those guys and there would, there would be no way that I would ever give up in a situation like that until it was over, over. Yeah. I couldn't imagine being in such a position where you're on charge for people's livelihood, essentially. Yeah. In such severe conditions. What was it like for um, packing in the food? Did you guys did you guys have to pack it in all on your back? It was all on our backpacks, and we also had sleds that we pulled. Whoa, for 40 days? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we had... Yeah, it was, it was serious, man. It was I could see how, like, so I'm thinking about working in a factory, right? Yep. And they're like, all right, we got a, a huge order for gold. So, you know, this is a very busy or uh, uh, crazy day, right? This is as crazy as it's going to get. And then at the end of the day, it's like, oh, fuck. I had to, you know, push out all those orders, you, you know, it's, it sucks on the busy days, right? Or a busy day in a restaurant when it's like uh, the holidays. And that's like the busiest or craziest it's going to get in that place. And, but being out in somewhere that's like really remote in the craziest um, version of what you're doing with these expeditions, essentially, I could see how it can provide meaning. Because once you overcome that, as opposed to overcoming like a super busy time at a restaurant right. or in a factory, it's like, you know, finally I'm glad I'm done with that day. Is it almost Friday? But <laughs> that's not going through your head at all. I would imagine it's like, wow, we just we made it through that. We made it to a live. I'm thankful. I'm grateful to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a life. I think it was a life changing event for everybody on the expedition for it, sure. How did it affect you in your life after the fact? Is there anything that's very memorable? Oh yeah, I think I think it gave me a real sense of a lot of things. One, a real sense of gratitude. A real sense that um, a lot of life is a roll of the dice, and you know, there's a lot you have control over, and there's also a lot you don't have control over. And it's you know, you're a lucky guy if that mix goes your way, you know, because it doesn't go your it doesn't go that way for a lot of you know a lot of people. A lot of people aren't lucky no matter how good or smart or skilled or whatever they are right so um i just had a i think i came out of that with a real sense of um appreciation for just for everything for life for being smart about things for doing the best you can do for being lucky for being fortunate you know wow it's yeah i mean yeah it, 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 yeah yeah, I would imagine any harebrained experience like that would definitely instill a sense of gratitude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was it was really something. A lot of us, you know, suffered, um, you know, for years, uh, suffered real foot problems because of our because of the immersion uh, uh, that we, you know, the trench foot, I can't mm -hmm. think of the word right now, right. the trench foot that we experienced out there. That happens from being inside of a boot 
and not ever taking the boot off? So we're, we're sitting in these snow caves for days on end and the temperature in the snow cave is just slightly above freezing. So it's wet. So everything is, you know, everything is wet and, and there's no exercise and there's no way to keep warm via exercise. The only way you can keep warm is via whatever clothing you have and whatever food you're ingesting for your metabolism, right? So at some point, day after day after day after day after day, your extremities just, they're wet and they're cold. And so the nerve end, all the nerve endings and everything start to shut down. So you just, you just, it's like sitting in a, you know, bathtub for hours. You just have, you end up getting really wrinkly, soggy oh. flesh in your toes and your fingers. Mm -hmm. And that can create permanent damage if, you know, wow. if you can't take care of it. And there wasn't a whole lot we could do about it. Everything we had was soaking wet. We couldn't move, you know, we're freezing. When did that start setting in? Um, you know, it can set that under those types of conditions that can set in really quickly, like probably within two days or, you know, something like that. Cause I'm thinking about people. I'm guessing. Like, I know it's all relative, but like it's cold outside. Yeah. And it's like, that's unbearable. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it is relative cause I've experienced in yeah. anything you have athletics. Someone's like, run a hundred miles. How can you do that? And it's like, right. well, you just do it and then you will eventually get used to it. But yeah. Yeah. That is insane. I could not imagine putting up with that amount of discomfort over that time. But you have no choice. You have no choice. You just got to do it. And and the thing is, you got to do it in a way that works, right? Like, you can't be a whiner about it, you know? Were, were there any of those new guys, like, like moaning or whining or anything? Everybody probably had their five minutes of, of wine time, you know? Yeah. But um, overall, I mean, we really did... Yeah, I have to say we really did set the message of like, look, there's no choice. We're going to get through this and we're going to do it in style and whining's not a part of that. And we're all accountable for each other. And, you know, I'm only going to survive if I make sure that you survive and vice versa. And I got to make sure that you're taken care of and I got to make sure that I'm taken care of. And that's the game we're playing right now. So people, people rose to that occasion and did a great job and, uh, they were, I mean, they were heroes. They, they did a great job. I mean, we all had our moments of being down or, you know, whatever, but that's when you would rely on the guy next to you and you'd get through it. That's what I like about remembering that how everybody has at least some niggling um, amount of insecurity is that, like, whenever I see someone expressing their faults, I'm like, they're, we're just as capable of being that hero and we're just as capable of being that person who's Absolute. having a hard time. Absolutely. Like, and I've realized, like, I look at hunters and or the people who do the 100-mile uh, races. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you're a very strong person. You've got this all together. Well, in all of the moments, if you consider all of the moments, no. Because yeah. some of these moments, it's hard. Yeah, and absolutely. We have a hard time. It's a human thing. Absolutely. And it's nice because... Kind of like what you were saying, uh, or in your experience when you were doing your tournament, with uh, you're just gonna see how it goes, right? And yeah. you're just gonna have fun, letting go of the results, and just being there for the ride, man. Yeah. And I could see how, like, at least just listening to that story about that one expedition could inform your entire life on that letting go. It's interesting how you said that you enjoyed that that sense of control. 
with um, how the expedition is going to go, essentially getting from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, you don't have that sense of control, <laughs> that's right. and it's taken from you. There's a lot you don't. That's right. There's a lot that's going to come your way that you're you have no idea it's coming your way, or you have no control over it, and you just gotta deal in the moment. You're at the mercy of the yeah, moment. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. It's a great combination, as long as you get through it. Exactly. <laughs> we're all yeah. capable as long as yeah. we, we just try. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So um, one quick thing before yeah. you have to go. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, so when you went from doing the expeditions um, into becoming self-employed, mm-hmm. did you have any fears in that transition? Um, yeah. Did I have any fears in that transition? Yes, I'm sure I did. Um, you know, for better or worse, I, uh, and I have thought a lot about this in my life. Um, I, I, I've always really pretty much just followed my passions and you know that that has mostly been good not always but uh i think my biggest fear at that point in my life was um living a life that that i wouldn't be happy with and so i was really driven to try and create a life that i felt good about and and i knew that i couldn't forever work in the wilderness and lead expeditions and that, you know, there was a price for that. And the price was like losing my contact with my family and, you know, not having some, some stability that I wanted and not being able to be in a relationship and, you know, all those other things that, you know, a nomadic lifestyle, it just is, is hard to, to have. So I think my, my fear was really, you know, how am I going to make this work and what am I going to gravitate towards and what do I, what do I love and what am I good at and, you know, what, what can I make work and how can I create a life that I'm excited about? And, and so that was probably the biggest fear. It wasn't a fear of, um, I mean, there's always a little bit of fear of am I going to succeed or fail, but that was that was secondary to the whole idea of like, am I just am I on the right path, right? Am I doing what I think I should be doing? Um, and I was, you know, I, I was lucky in that I was in a relationship, and the woman I was in, the, who is now my wife, she uh, she had a job, and we were together, and so when I made that transition. I had a little bit of a safety net because I wasn't making a lot of money, but she could cover for that. So, so I was, I had a little breathing room, right? In that, in that she could help me weather whatever financial storms I found myself in because I wasn't generating income because I was in this transition. So that helped a tremendous amount to have, you know, a partner who was willing to pay the bills Mm -hmm. if I couldn't pay the bills. I mean, that, that made a huge difference. Yeah, and we also lived in Wyoming and lived a really simple life. So we didn't really have a lot of, oh, we didn't have a Wyoming. lot of, yeah, we were in Wyoming. We didn't have a lot of expenses. We were, lived a really, really simple life. Especially out there because the living expenses alone are right. Yeah, like nothing. Small. Yeah. They're nothing. Yeah. And um, so you, you <clears throat> didn't necessarily know what you're going to do 
before you started uh, exploring self-employment? You know, I did. One of the things I was really clear about when I was uh, in the outdoors was I was fascinated by expedition behavior, right? And what made for what made for a really good expedition? Like you take a group of people, you have leaders, you have followers. They're an isolated unit. They have goals that they're trying to achieve. And you might have two expeditions side by side and on the, on, the, on the surface, they look exactly the same. They've got leaders, they've got followers, they've got goals that they're trying to accomplish. They've got a medium in which they're gonna accomplish it. Ready, get set, go, and they go. One expedition is super successful by whatever measures you wanna use and one expedition is less successful. And I got really fascinated by why, well, why is that? Why is this, why is expedition A doing great and expedition B not doing great? What, what are the dynamics around the group, the leadership, the followership, the decisions that are being made, how they're being made. So that's that's where I transitioned into. When I saw that that was exciting to me and something that I wanted to know more about and learn about, that's where I went. So I, so I left the outdoor uh, field and I went back to graduate school and I got a master's in applied behavioral science, which is basically just psychology of the workplace or you know how human beings behave in work situations and and through that education I decided that I wanted to help people and organizations work better together I, w I wanted to help them become better teams better leaders better individuals and so that's that's the focus that I went with I would like to key in on your focus on what excites you because sometimes we strive to be happy or um, to have X amount of money but excitement is um, something that I think is is important to consider because happiness obviously is you experience in the expedition it's memorable to you and um, and I imagine that you weren't happy the whole time but Definitely it must have been not. exciting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just like in um, jiu-jitsu or trail running, like there's moments where I'm not happy a lot of the time, actually, but I'm excited. And that excitement is what carries me through, and it helps me attain a certain level of fulfillment mm -hmm. and that, uh, that is more evergreen than happiness because happiness only lasts for so much time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, does it excite you to be able to help people develop uh, leadership or leadership qualities in the workplace? Yeah, it does. I love helping people. And, you know, we spend a lot of our lives at work, mm -hmm. right? A lot. And a lot of people are really unhappy at work. You know, it's hard. I mean, people are trying to make a living. They've got families to support. They sacrifice a lot to be in an organization. And sometimes people don't even know how much they're sacrificing until it's too late sometimes, you know? And, and so I like going into organizations and helping them have more fun, have better relationships, get the job done more effectively, you know, serve the organization, make it all work. I mean, that, I mean go home at the end of the day not totally spent, you know, like I, I like that. I like helping people. 
do that. You know, I, I, th I think it's, um, it is, it's exciting to me. It, it, I like serving people in that way. Mm -hmm. Especially in, in such a time, like you said, where a lot of people um, are leading unhappy lives within their, their work environments. And work is stressful. It, it is, and there's no, <laughs> like, at least, obviously there are outside services that are, are very helpful for this, but there isn't anybody teaching you skills and how to manage that and also how to make the best of whatever situation is in front of you. I mean, it's not something that's handled in school very much. Right. And, or in corporate culture um, within the corporate system. I mean, some, some companies that I've worked at, they, they try to handle it, but I, I'm just fascinated by how, how you use what you've learned in the outdoor industry within the, um, the corporate machine. Right. Because that's what I'm like, I keep touching back on and I, um, I geek out about, so to speak, with athletics and hunting and all those things is that that has taught me so much about my er, civ civilian life or yeah. my civilized, I don't know yeah. how to put that yeah, really. Yeah, I but, get it. Yeah, my like day-to-day -day life and, and even like stress, for example, with my son or uh, at a job, that stress is not very, is very minuscule compared to like competition or being out in the backcountry when something goes wrong. Like that is in its life or death, for instance, not to be speaking hyper. Right, right. But um, those things help help inform me in, in my day to day life. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's the that's the transference that I think no matter where you are, whether you're in the outdoors or whether you're in a family system or whether you're at work or whatever, it's in some ways it's all the same, right? It's when things are going great and everything's good it's super easy to handle it, right? Like, it's good. And you can be the best person you can be when things are going really good. But when things aren't going good, your family life is falling apart, work is really stressful, you know, nature is throwing, you know, a bombshell at you or whatever. It's that ability to be in that kind of adverse situation and have the resiliency to, to still show up in a way that works and, and get through it and, you know, not destroy your relationships and get the job done. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's when it really matters, right? When, when we really need our coping mechanisms, but when we're really anxious and everything, you know, everything's going to hell in a handbag, you know, sometimes that's when the coping mechanisms fly out the window, right? <laughs> so, so my hope is to, you know, not only for me in my own life, but in what I do at work is to, is to try and help people have the self-awareness to, to show up the best that they can show up regardless of what's going on around them, mm -hmm. right? To not lose their, their balance and their center and to know who they are and what they need to do and what the next step is. What do you, in your experience of doing the uh, leadership coaching, um, or helping companies with uh, yeah. leadership. Yeah, skills. leadership coaching is good. What, what is a, um, a common pitfall that you see people experience or thing that people struggle with? Well, a real, that's a great question. Um, a real common pitfall is that when, when the world feels like it's crashing in around you, it's really easy to get a really myopic closed in viewpoint of what's going on. You just see 
two inches in front of your face because you just it's all crashing in and it's it's acute it's highly anxious you're in it and that's all you see and and people lose the bigger picture they lose the systems that you were talking about the systems thinking like hey this is a this is a little hologram or a you know a microcosm of of a bigger picture and so let's you know, even though this is really going on and it really is acute and it really is stressful, let's, let's branch out. Let's look at the 40,000 foot view. Let's figure out where we're going. Let's figure out how to get there. Let's put it all in perspective. Let's go. That, so that's a really common pitfall is we just, we just see the moment. Mm -hmm. Is that making sense? That does make sense is when you get that tunnel vision. And then you only see the thing that's that's right in front of you, and you become very reactive. Yes, okay. exactly. And being reactive. Exactly, is, reactive. And when, when you're reactive too, that 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 I've seen that as a cycle, to where you react, you start reacting to things, and all you do is react. Yeah. After a while, once yep. it becomes a habit, and then it feels like the world can be attacking you in some manner yes because when you get things that make you anxious or that make you angry um and meditation has been very helpful for that but that you are angry you are anxious it's not this this thing that's just happening right now and you can get over it. it is not you essentially yeah just like your failures are not you or yeah yeah and and anxiety in a, in and of itself or anger in and of itself isn't bad thing necessarily right it's just how are you handling it and how are you leveraging it and how are you using it to move forward you know i had a i have a great mentor when i went to school and i i, I still am in touch with her she was a teacher of mine but you know her her concept and the thing that that always has stuck with me is that idea that when we're in a highly anxious situation and things are going to hell in a handbasket and we're really stressed out the goal is to do two things and it's it's to both have the backbone that you need to have to do what needs to be done, but also to have the heart that you need to have to maintain relationships as best you can and not isolate yourself and not hurt others, right? So, so to be able to do both those things, that's the goal. Have the backbone and have the heart. Don't, don't overplay one of those at the expense of the other. And if you can do that, you'll probably get through things okay. Yeah, right? Probably. You'll probably yeah. get through things okay. Not always, but most likely. But probably. Yeah. Well, so that's what I try and help people do. It's like, okay, you know, you need to make a decision. You, you, people are going to be upset with you. Um, that's okay. You, you, you still got to do what you got to do. It's just like raising your son, right? It's yeah. like, you know, I you got to raise your son, I right? I hurt your feelings by setting these limits, but... <laughs> Right. I see the bigger picture, right? So I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to cave into that. I'm going to do what I need to do to be the best dad that I can be, but I'm also going to love you, right? And and I'm going to I'm going to value you and I'm going to I'm going to you know realize that you're that the outbursts too are not something to take personally because you were merely there as if by accident too because it's someone reacting to like if someone gets upset because you uh you demand, you know, uh, expectations from them, or you set limits with a child, and if they yell at you, 
they're not yelling at you. They're just yelling. They're reacting. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're anxious, right? Mm -hmm. They're stressed. They're not getting what they want. It's a hard thing because, like, yeah. I, I'd have a minute, like, how do you love someone who bites you? How do you love someone who hits you? Yeah. Well, you just know that they're not hitting you. They're hitting like, oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Because I've tried to deal with that with people. Like, if you get to know someone, there's always going to be at least some aspects of people or of a person that will frustrate you. Mm -hmm. But does that mean you don't love them? Right. And so when you see someone who is riding your ass on the highway, that's just an aspect of them that is aggravating you. But you don't hate that person. Right. Because there's all these other aspects that you probably really enjoy. Right. If you were actually sitting down having a cup of coffee with that person, you might actually really enjoy them, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how do you, how would you, in a corporate environment, this might be out of your realm a little bit, um, how would you deal with a situation where someone, someone doesn't like how their, uh, one of their employees is acting? Like their, their kinds of behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. And um, how would you advise someone to handle that? Or is that out of your realm? No, that's exactly the kind of stuff okay, that yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it is all about behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. Behaviors either help move an organization forward or they or they get in the way, right? So it, it is about aligning everybody's behavior so that they can both be an effective individual and be an effective member on a team. All in service of the organization, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it really is about, I mean... It's about the organization and the holding the institution. Yeah, absolutely. So I do a lot of work around helping people figure out how they help either modify their own behavior or modify other people's behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, yeah, that's fascinated me because I'd have friends and they'd have behavior that um, I don't necessarily enjoy. Yeah. But there's other aspects of them that I love. So that's something that I've tried to think about is how do you deal with that as in with a child if like my son were to do something that I find inappropriate if I were to yell at him well I'm gonna make it worse right. If I were to completely ignore him he's gonna keep doing it right but there's somewhere in between where it's like yeah sandboxing them in so that they don't hurt you right and then allowing them to figure it out giving them the freedom right and, yeah. yeah it's it's you know it's about um, in a nutshell I think it's about people's ability to be self-aware, right? So we all have an impact on each other and it's never neutral. It's either positive or negative for the most part, right? And, and so our ability to have the awareness around is my behavior impacting you in a negative way or a positive way? And what do I want to do about that? And, am I, and am I, is, is the way that I'm evaluating that more or less the same way that you're evaluating it, right? Like, so if you think, if I think I'm being a jerk, do you also think I'm being a jerk? Mm -hmm. Hopefully those two things more or less always line up, right? Like mm -hmm. the way you're perceiving me is the way I'm perceiving me. Because, because it's, behavior has impact on people. And, and the more self-aware we are around that impact, then the more choices we have around how we want to change that behavior. And you be right? proactive. And yeah. be proactive, okay. exactly. And um, that introspectiveness, and I think, I think it's important because after 
it's very easy to um, to be able to see the faults in others and not see the faults in our own self. <laughs> yeah. Super easy. <laughs> like, oh, I've done that with my son before. We've all done. Oh, he's, I've done it multiple times. Yes, I'm the best at that. Stop doing it. And he's like, Dad, you've been doing it this whole time. And I'm like, oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why can't I do that too? It's like, oh yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it sounds trite, but being a parent is by far and away the the hardest job on the planet. Yeah, exactly. But I, I like it because it's almost <laughs> like a, a playground to be, to be able to experiment with my own behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whoa, I'm fired up. I got my gear ready and I'm prepared to go out into the wilderness to get some adventure. Oh, I love having people on who've had their fair share of experiences in the outdoors. Especially the camaraderie that's that comes around accomplishing and overcoming something when your life is on the line. Snow cave, 40 days. Oh. And I thought my three-day camping trip bracing myself against a snowstorm was bad. 40 days trapped in the snow. <laughs> Having experiences like that have certainly been beneficial for Andrew. And it's been a joy getting to know him. Thank you guys for listening. And if you like the episode, go check us out on Instagram as Becoming Human Podcast and leave a review on iTunes. If you'd like to check out Andrew's consulting services, you can find the link to his website in the show notes. Thanks to the Living Arrows for the intro song. You can check them out at Bandcamp as the Living Arrows or YouTube. And I dropped the link in the show notes too. (laughs) 